In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into the realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's August 11th, 2011, and you're listening to Episode 6 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from the Gryffindor Girls Dormitory, because I am tired. It's been a hard week on the Karen. (laughs) I need a nap. (laughs) But I still want a podcast! So here we are. Yes, I'm I'm probably, I don't know, 30 minutes until I hit that really crazy tired, where you're just bouncing off the walls. And she goes slap happy. So I warn you now. I also end up in the penalty box more when I'm tired. Yeah, I'm the one that takes the brunt of that. Thank you very much. If this gets really interesting, I'll pull out the video camera, I promise. Aww. So, let's talk about what we're knitting. I'll go for this first this week. I don't have a heck of a lot. Because... You is lit tired. Yes. It has been a long week. Summer is always the busiest time for the library, and the last two weeks have been shutdown week, I think, for what remains of the industry in the area. So we have been super busy for the last couple weeks. And then there was stuff going on on the weekend and on my days off, so I am sort of in that blurry phase, and I have not really had a lot of time to knit. You look a little bit like the deer in the headlights. Yeah. But anyway, so what I have been working on this week. Um, I have been working on the Viper Pilot socks, which I forgot to bring with me so that I could show Maggie what, how far I am. I'm actually partway through the second little, little spaceship. Okay. Repeat the second little Viper. Not without a great deal of cursing and swearing, as Maggie saw at midnight last night. I did indeed. This is really a pattern you have to pay attention to, and you really have to watch each line, and I think my brain is still trying to do the thing where it knows where it go, where things go, except it doesn't. And so I keep getting to a point, and I look down at the pattern, and I realize I was supposed to do something like three rows before, so I have to drop down those stitches and redo it, and I spend so much time doing that that it seems like I don't get a lot of actual It is now rows. Not, doesn't seem productive. Yeah, it, I don't seem to get very far each time. They are really pretty, <laughs> and I love them. And I do love the pattern, and it looks nice, and I can't wait to finish them. But it's also kind of a bitch. <laughs> you, you love them in that stupid, immensely handsome asshole, why doesn't he call me because I love him type of love? Yeah, I'd have to say that. And that's something I don't really have experience with. That's usually the sort of thing I absolutely hate. Really, if I'm reading romance novels and the dude's an asshole, I'm gonna throw the book across the room. I, I maybe it's a good thing it just stays with my knitting, yeah, not with my actual love life. Okay, yeah, it's basically a pattern you have to watch, and I think. Part of the thing that's throwing me off, too, is that a lot of patterns I've worked with, a lot of twisted stitch cables, don't have rest rows, quote-unquote. You know, rows where you just knit the knits and purl the pearls. Right. I think I keep going to do the pattern, and if I'm not looking closely enough at the actual pattern, my brain thinks I have to make this cable move on every single row. Instead of do crazy stuff on one row, just do it as it's set out on the next row. You you have to tell your knitting brain that, no, this is is not the great level that you were thinking of. Yeah, I think my brain still needs to get used to what the what the rhythm of the pattern is and still needs to get to the point where it understands that I can't just look at my knitting and do what I think 
I'm supposed to do. I've worked socks before with all kinds of twisted stitch cables on them, like sometimes three or four different cables, and those I was <laughs> more easily able to memorize. But yeah, so I, I do love them. It's just like I said, I think my brain has to get used to what this pattern requires. And you were going to rename them? Yes, I was going to rename them the Starbucks socks because they're being cantankerous and they will not respect my authority. So I may have to rename the pattern in my Ravelry queue. And I do need to, I really need to get pictures of my stuff for my Ravelry queue. Especially now that other people have actually, you know, seen my Ravelry queue thanks to us having a Ravelry group. So because I wanted to work on twisty stitch cable things, but the Vipers were breaking my brain. I cast on another pair of socks. Guilty look right there. Yeah. These are the, I'm going to, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, the Bayerisch socks. Yeah, in my knowing nothing of German sort of way. Okay. Um, I'm assuming it's a German word. It looks sort of Germanish. And they're by Yuni Jang, and she, I think they're a free pattern that were on her blog. So I cast them on, and I started doing them. They're twisted stitch cable socks, but they just have different panels of the cables, and they're kind of more intuitive than the Viper Pilots. Mm -hmm. But then I got a little way into the toe of them. I'm doing the toe-up version. I got a little way into the toe, and just the way it looks, like the the middle pattern, just to me, seems like... I, I like ones that have more of a focal point cable pattern down the middle. This one, it's actually pretty much one-third of the width of the sock. So you have these two small border cable patterns that are one-third, the middle cable, which is one-third, and these two, uh, the same two small border cables. And you would like that center panel to be more of a focus. Yeah, it just, just to my eye, it just doesn't look right to me. Teeny tiny stitches, but so pretty. Yeah, I'm doing it in Dreamin' Color Smooshy. So I figured I might rip back the toe a little bit just to where I increased to the number of stitches that this one needed. And then using my stitch dictionaries... Woohoo! Just holding them out like a deck of cards. Yeah, because I have three stitch dictionaries that are traditional Bavarian Austrian twisted stitch patterns, and they're by Maria Erlbacher. When I got these, these are three separate slim volumes. They're the original versions. They were out of print for a long time. They're now back in print through Schoolhouse Press. Mm -hmm. And I will have the title in the show notes because I don't have that book, so I don't remember the name. Um, I think it's Twisted Stitch Knitting, or it's Twisted Stitch Knitting of something or other. Bad podcaster, no cookie. Yeah, Karen arrived tonight to chocolate chip cookies Me. being made. But when I first went looking for these, they were still out of print. And I managed to get my grubby little hands on them through special order, and I think I got a couple off eBay or something. And they're entirely in German. That black... Um, that black market list where you were under several pseudonyms and you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Hey, want to buy some knitting books? <laughs> but yeah, I, I really want to get the new version because it's it English. has English translation. Yeah, it has English translation, which you don't really need because most of the patterns, they're just charts, which is fine with me. And they're pretty easy to understand. Like, they just have little arrows pointing which way the cross is supposed to go. But there are patterns for garments in it, and it would help if I had yes. a clue of what it said. Ooh. Especially because I'm sure I would have to resize it and stuff. My god, the cabling going into that sweater is incredible. I know, it's gorgeous. But yeah, so I have these stitch dictionaries, and so what I was thinking, instead of doing the pre-prepared pattern, is making up my own sock. <laughs> 
Which admittedly is going to be a heck of a lot easier than making out the stole. And admittedly, you've done that before. Yeah, I actually designed a pair of socks. I picked a whole bunch of cable patterns and smooshed them together. Yeah, sort of designed them around. My vague theme was I call them the secret garden socks because the front has a cable pattern that looks sort of like a very elaborate iron gate. And then at the back, I have a little flower going up the, bu- up the back. And Aww. there's other little viney cables in there, too. See, I would love to have this in English just so I could see all of the names of the stitches. Yeah, because there's some of them that I can kind of figure out, and I won't attempt to pronounce the German, because I would just really piss off any German listeners, but some of them are just like, I have no idea what this is called, and I'd like to know, like, what the name for it is. Most of my German, I know, comes from, like, Indiana Jones movies. (laughs) So it's basically, schnell, schnell! (laughs) Proving, once again, that geek foreign languages will get you killed, maybe. And then the other thing I've been working on is the stuck in it socks that rock socks in Bejeweled, which I have finished one. I think I had finished it by the last podcast. And this one, I am on the ribbing on the cuff. And it helped that I, I knit all the way through a movie at the movie theater. Yes. Karen First time I have gets ever done extra it. knitter points for this. She apparently turned the heel. Not turned the heel. Okay. I was doing, okay, I did a toe up, gusset, and flap heel. I had joined most of the flap to the gusset. I had like three more rows on the flap when the lights went down. Still, that's extra knitter points because you're doing it by feel. Well, at that point, too, it wasn't really hard doing the, the turning back and stuff because I sort of, you know, don't always look at my knitting anyway. You can really feel where the flap ends and the gusset stitches begin, and that's not that hard to purl two together or slip, slip knit. Dude, I'm trying to um. hand you some compliments. Just, you know, take the plate from me and deal. <laughs> but it was mainly because I got that far and the lights went down. I'm like, damn it, I kind of want to keep knitting this sock through the movie, but I have to get to the plain stock in it part. Okay, I'll just quickly do it. Well done. But a little more on that movie later. What about you? I have Merry Warmer. Yay! I am wearing them now. They are done. They're not mine, but I'm just wearing them because, you know, I finished them. Merry Warmers. They are done, donely done. And also, the quilt that I mentioned last week, the top is completely put together with the exception of just the slim borders that go around the edge. Good. And once the borders are on and I start doing the layering and everything, ultimately it should be 90 inches by 90 inches, approximately in the queen size uh, quilt area. And then I get to start quilt actually hand quilting <laughs> this mofo. Which will probably take a while. Yes, and that's why I was trying to put it together as fast as I could. Yeah, especially because you kind of have to work on it at home. Yeah, that's not something... It is not a portable project. That is not, no. And also probably have to try and find times to work on it when the, the four-year-old is not around. Yes, when the elfling is not running around. Unless I had, you know, um, Mary Poppins' bag, and I've wished on many occasions to have many Mary Poppins' <laughs> bag. Or Hermione's bag of holding. Yes, that too. <laughs> they must know each other. I bet you there's somebody out there who does bags of holding in various fashionable forms, and only one person every generation gets one. So, yep, that's what I have done. I am pulling the Celtic stole out from its uh, mild hibernation, because you remember a couple of weeks ago where I said, yeah, I should finish this pattern repeat by the end of the weekend? Yeah, didn't happen. It's getting pulled out of its hibernation. It's going to be my focus, and I don't get to start another project until I finish that pattern repeat. I'm only about 25, six rows away from the next pattern repeat, but it's something like, oh, I don't know, 300 stitches across. Anyway. And it's a rectangle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, stole. 
Yeah, so it's it's 300 stitches every, every row. row. Okay, I can't say for sure that it's 300 stitches. It just feels like that. Anyway, so moving along into Geek Squee, I'm going to warn you now, there may be a couple of points during the podcast where we will have offers for you to sign up a petition to be on a mob. Please bring your own pitchforks. Raw, rotten vegetables will be supplied to you to throw at various things. Bit more of the happy stuff first. You remember the Ladies of Mischief, who were a steampunk knitting ladies collective that we had mentioned on the podcast a couple weeks ago. They are doing a book project, and happy times of happy times, they have been picked up by a publisher. Yay! And they are in negotiations right now. That is awesome. So that looks like it's going to be really cool. And if you want to be a part of the project, they are looking for test knitters. You get to test knit a steampunk knitting project. And it can be of any yarn that gets the appropriate gauge. And if you want to know more about it, they have a Ravelry group. You just go to the group, find the appropriate thread, and ask your questions, and you can get your information there. So on Ravelry, it's the Ladies of Mischief, and go to the forum about being a test knitter. Secondly, on more happy news, I'm just looking at her and Karen just starts (laughs) migrating, honestly. Somebody made it into Pottermore. And I'm sure when that moment happened, there was a squee, a sonic squee that surrounded the earth and dogs everywhere just suddenly woke up and were looking around. Yeah, I have to actually give credit to this to a friend of mine who had seen me being like, God damn it, every single time Pottermore opens, I am at work or out. <laughs> I knew that there was only one day where I could possibly do it, and I think they had closed registration before I even woke up, and then I was just... <laughs> so a friend of mine online actually checked the Pottermore site for me and put in my email account when Aww. it came up. Now that is a friend. Yes, that is a true friend. That is a true friend. That true friend will help you move bodies. I think it was the last day, I think, so I won't be getting the email where I can actually access the site for quite a while, but when I do, I will tell you all what it's like. We'll probably hear nothing else for the first half hour of every podcast. <laughs> And that's all she has to say. <laughs> I'm just squeaking like crazy now yeah. that I think about it. And in case anyone asks, my name on Pottermore right now is Vine Magic One Three Four. Was there any reason behind that name? They give you options okay. to pick, mainly because as I was listening to a, another podcast today. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts called uh, Galactic Water Cooler. They're really awesome. They started off as a Battlestar Galactica podcast. Now they do like all sorts of geeky stuff. Today they were talking about Pottermore with Professor Henry Jenkins. Okay. He's basically an academic who studies fandom. Oh, that's got to be one of the coolest jobs. Yeah. And he's written a number of books. And one of the best things is that he's very respectful of fandom. Like, he's not just like, what are these weird people doing? But he's actually written a couple books about yeah, how... He's actually written a couple books about how fandom is kind of changing the way we look at media or maybe changing it back to an old way because of course it used to be that like stories would be orally told or people would retell them in their own ways that sort of thing and it's only been like the last say even 75 years let's say that stories and things like that have become the property of someone else where the audience is passive instead of active so he's done a lot of books about how fandom and now especially online fandom is sort of reclaiming that role of becoming participatory. So it's an, in the interactive. Culture. Yeah, it's, it's become more of a participatory culture. Yeah. And the sort of conflicts between the people who own those things and the fans who want to 
sort of participate in them more. They were actually talking about Pottermore today and about the various things that come up, like, you know, is this sort of a way for them to control the way that people are participating in the culture? But one of the things they mentioned is the reason Pottermore has you pick from a few different usernames has to do a lot with the fact that they're trying to make it a safe space for children as well as... So they, there people? aren't any sexy ladies, man, big penis, two, four, yeah. fives. Yeah. Or so that, you know, people, especially younger kids or something, cannot give out their real names. Yeah. So basically you get to choose from a bunch of different ones. Because my friend was the one who put my email address in, she chose for me, which is fine with me because I find it kind of interesting considering we're, you know, near a winemaking region. <laughs> and it's vine magic. So Karen is the happy. And actually, one other thing that makes me all squealy and is along the, the Harry Potter lines, I saw on a geek blog, which I also want to mention to everybody because it's really awesome, called The Mary Sue. It's basically a website blog for geek girls. So there's a lot of stuff aimed at a female geek perspective, which is really awesome, especially because there is still sort of this feeling like girls are geeks. Yeah. Girls read comics too in a lot of geek culture. But they did an article about Hogwarts weddings. weddings. Oh my god! Total squee. I saw this at work actually and I was in the back room on my break and I'm like trying not to shriek aloud because like every picture I saw of this I think it was the one of one wedding just made it even more awesome to start off with they were holding it at I think one of those sort of like storybook villages yes yes so the first thing that happens when you get there is they have a little train that goes around the park (laughs) so you have to get on the train to go to the wedding okay I just realized my whole shrieky voice might not be good for the listener if I'm doing it for like 15 minutes straight so I'm trying to breathe so yes you have to get on the train Mm -hmm. the Hogwarts Express yes to go to the wedding. And then when you get there, you know, they have the wedding and for the reception, for the tables, they have four tables. So everyone gets sorted, quote unquote. <laughs> and so you're at the Gryffindor table or the Slytherin table. Right. So you're in houses. And for little favors, you know how some people have like little bags of mints? Yeah. Or I think, you know, someone I knew had pens that had the, the date of their wedding on it or something. They have wands. Of course. And from the pictures, it looked like they encouraged their guests to dress up in sort of wizarding outfits, or I think in some cases, maybe also like wizards trying to dress as muggles outfits. But oh yeah, I, I just, I saw this and I was trying not to shriek. Okay, so I mean, it looks like they have quills to sign the register with. At one point, I think when the bride and groom are about to kiss, everyone holds up their wands over them. And it looks like there are owls all over the place. Oh yeah, it looks awesome. There's so much stuff in it that just seems so perfectly Harry Potter. It's like an adult's perfect excuse to have the ultimate Harry Potter party. Yeah, the adult's perfect excuse to enjoy everything from a kid's book. I'm like, I want my wedding to be like this. Of course, I need to find a groom, but... The, the, the technicalities. That's the easy part. But yeah, so we'll definitely have the link to that article on the show notes so you can see the pictures because they are just Yeah, they're beautiful. They are beautiful. This is where we tell you to start sharpening your pitchforks because we have some sad, sad news to relate. You all know that we have been very vehemently squeeing over the Sherlock series from BBC and it was due to come out with the next few episodes this fall, which translates into, we are told, August. Which, hey, look at that. 
is this month. It is our sad duty to inform you that The Hobbit has delayed this release. Damn you, Peter Jackson! <laughs> The news is that because both of the actors are in The Hobbit. One of them is the is star of the, the Hobbit. What, they're both in The Hobbit. One of them is The Hobbit. The news is that it is delayed until the year 2012. Now, considering that we know that we know that Martin should be flying back to Middle Earth, and wouldn't that be an airline? Um, <laughs> Mordor Airways. Oh, Lord. Nazgul and in each engine. Oh, God. There's just too many. <laughs> All right. Anyway, he's flying back to, to finish up filming in September, so that means that Sherlock should be wrapped up by then, but there's still all of the editing and post-edits and whatnot, so Sherlock should be coming out in early 2012, which is a geek year away. What that means in numerical terms is too frackin' far! Yes. We're hoping it's January. Of course, I'm now thinking, too, it also probably depends on the BBC's schedule. Because if they had planned to have Sherlock out, say, now or September, they have that slot on their schedule. When they're making up their schedule for later months, they have stuff slotted in. So they might have to shuffle things around if they want to put it out as soon as it's ready. Or they might have to push it back a little further because they have other stuff scheduled and they already have that stuff publicized to some extent. As of this moment, we don't know when it's coming out other than sometime in 2012. If anybody over there and has some in on the production and stuff like yeah. that. Or even if you just hear more about it because it's a British production, so you hear more about it in the news or whatever. Let us know! Please let us know. As soon as you have a release date, please let us know. We're bleeding slowly, just trying to find out what's going on. I needs my Sherlock. And of course, they had to say that it's like three episodes based on my three favorite stories. Yeah. And now it's delayed, and where's my pitchfork? I'm going off to New Zealand to find Peter Jackson. And of course, because of things like this, we can sympathize with certain people in the States who kind of got a kick in the balls this week, courtesy of the Sci-Fi Network, because apparently last week the Sci-Fi Network said that uh, the show Eureka, which has its fifth season starting in a few months, said that they were going to have a sixth season. It was only going to be six episodes, but it would still be more show. That is what they said last week. This week, apparently the show is cancelled as of the end of the fifth season. As in, gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. As in, you know those six episodes we mentioned? Yeah, no, they're not happening. Which is just, I... Ugh. Which is angry pitchfork mob casting call number two. From what I understand from U.S. fans and U.S. podcasts I've heard, there's been a few times where they've done stuff like this, or where they They've said, hey, you're getting 20 episodes of the show. Hey, you're getting 10 episodes now and you're getting 10 episodes later. Hey, I know we said it was going to be the second 10 episodes in three months. Actually, it's going to be more like nine months or a year. So I know that they've been pulling stuff like this with a number of shows for like the last couple of years. The main one I can think of is Caprica, which, you know, they kept putting things back and then they canceled it. And I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, bollocks. <laughs> I mean, basically up here, like we just... Our sci-fi channel, the Space Network, doesn't have a lot of original programming. I think a lot of it is syndicated stuff or stuff that you guys get from sci-fi. So we just sort of get the, the end result of whatever. But and a lot of people you kind are of make pissed it, off. You kind of make it sound like we're sitting at the end of this big conveyor belt. And, you know, we sort of get what's left of the table scrapings at the end. Well, with geekdom, we kind of do. Okay, I wasn't going for that, but okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I think they do have some original programming. But I know that... 
they show a lot of British stuff or they show a lot of US stuff, half of which is filmed in Vancouver anyway, like Stargate, which I just started watching, or Caprica, Battlestar Galactica, all those stuff. Half of it's filmed in Vancouver anyway. I got married at the uh, quote-unquote train station that was in X-Men. Awesome! The first one, yeah. A friend of mine, her dad worked on that movie. <laughs> she got... Oh, God, I should tell this story sometime. We, we kept having wedding guests disappearing and then coming back because they were going to get their photos taken next to the uh, plaque and the photo stills from the movie. Oh, I'll, save, I'll save my yeah, friend's okay. X-Men story for another time. It also brings up the whole thing of, like, how networks sort of keep a hold on this sort of material and kind of dick their fans around at times. Because really, geeks and nerds are some of the most eager spenders out there. Oh god, yes. And they're the most obsessed fans, too. Yeah. Like, if they love a show, they will talk about your show a lot. They'll buy your the poster, they'll buy the t-shirt, they'll buy the action figures. They will blog about your show, they yep. will tweet about your show, they will create societies based around your show. They will talk about your show to everyone they meet and tell them they should watch it. So why jerk around the geek that feeds you? Yeah. And I mean, I know, I understand canceling a show because it doesn't have the ratings or whatever, which is what they have said about Caprica. But from what I understand, Eureka has decent ratings at least. But even if it didn't, like, what's with the one week saying, yes, you're getting more episodes, and the next week you're saying, no, you're not getting more episodes. Do you think it... That's kind of dickish. Do you think it has anything to do with the U.S. economy? I don't think so. Because, I mean, the economy's been pretty it's been bad like that for, for the a last while. few years. Yeah, it's been so, like that. Okay. So I don't think the change in one from one week to the next would really be... No. I'd like to see a explanation... Yeah, that from sci-fi as to why they announced it and then they unannounced it. That would be incredibly uh, grown up and mature of them. And then you know you have people that are starting to do more web-based series like The Guild mm-hmm. by Felicia Day, and I have to wonder whether that might change things more mm-hmm. because while power, you don't want power to the people, while you don't want fans entirely calling the shots, because I have been in a few fandoms where oh dear God, if the fans were in charge, I would have had to stop. Well, I did stop watching <laughs> when the people, the powers that be, were in charge. But I would have stopped watching a lot earlier if the fans had been in charge, because, oh my god, some of the fans, I was like, oh, can I just, you know, bang your head against something? So you don't want someone's creativity to be totally dependent on what the audience wants. But at the same time, I have to wonder if those sort of series, too, have more of a rapport with the fans and maybe take more of the fans into account and less of a network idea of we create the content, you absorb it. Or you, you know, we make the decisions, you deal with it. To put things simply and objectively, we don't know what's happened. Yeah. We are upset and gripey about it and would like an explanation. I just don't want anybody to listen to the podcast and say, girls, you have it all wrong because of this, 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 and this. Yeah, and it's not just, I'm I'm thinking now when I'm saying this stuff, I'm not just thinking of the specific incident, too. Yeah. It's also touches to the way that major networks release content on the internet. This is not a single incident. You know, it also, you know, sort of raises questions more broadly about, like, control over media. And I'd like to see, like I said, I'd like to see sort of sci-fi's explanation for it, especially for their explanation, not for the cancellation, but for that 
really quick turnaround. Because I, I know from listening to podcasts, geeky podcasts set in the States, where they actually hear more about the sci-fi network itself, I know they, you know, they have been more receptive to fans because they deal with science fiction and fantasy fans. <laughs> These people are vocal. But it seems, you know, sometimes it seems like people underestimate the power of the geeks or the power of a geek scorned. Oh dear, yes. <laughs> but yes, that little tangent over. Are you are you feeling a bit more relieved now? You've got yes, you vented your once I've got it out of my system and once I've had a chance to think about it in this, you know, overarching conceptual sort of way as well, not just like, what are you doing? The the but, world can now live. Yes. At least for another twenty four hours. <laughs> I'll stuff her with more co- more cookies. Okay, so for our last segment for Geek Squee, I would like to warn people of spoilers for Captain America. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I feel like we should have that, you know, old sort of awooga, awooga klaxon going. Yes, I actually saw Captain America on Monday. So consider last week the non-spoilery discussion of Captain America. This week there will be a little spoilery discussion of Captain America. Uh, In the show notes and in the information that goes into iTunes with the podcast... I will put the time code for when this discussion ends so you can skip it and just move right on to Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. But you be warned, there will be spoilers beyond this point. <laughs> so, I saw Captain America. Yes. Which and was, I liked it! Which was the movie that she was knitting in. Well, because I figured, I want, I've i never done it before, but I kind of wanted to this time, and there was like three other people in the theater besides me. So you like, just described, okay, just from that, taking it out of context, you just described the rational theory going through most teenagers when they're sneaking out to go make up. I never done it before. Gotta give it a try. <laughs> there were a couple of other people there. There weren't that many people in the theater that couldn't see me. So you liked it? Yes, I liked it so much for various reasons. Well, one, you're a historical buff. Yeah, and so I love like the 1940s costuming and the hair and the makeup and bright red lipstick and even like the scenery and stuff. Yeah, especially when they're showing VE Day. It's like oh, it's so gorgeous. It's so neat with all the historic period sort of buildings. Yeah, everyone in period costume and everything. Or you see like the streets of Brooklyn. (laughs) Actually, I had that weird moment where they showed like the streetscape of New York and I'm like, that doesn't look right. Why doesn't it? And then, of course, after it goes away, I realize, duh, it's 1943 New York streetscape. Some of the buildings you were expecting to see are not there. There. Like some of the really huge ones. And I liked how they handled it because the whole concept of Captain America can be kind of cheesy. Yeah. Kind of cheesy. And I kind of like how they not just dealt with the cheesiness, but to use a term from TV tropes, they lampshaded the cheesiness. Like, they really pointed out the cheesiness on purpose. Yeah. Like, with his whole... Traveling show. Yeah, his traveling USO show and his traveling, you know, buy war bonds show and the little movies that he was in and stuff. That sort of really hypes the cheesiness for a certain effect. Yeah. Because you're supposed to be seeing that and thinking, like, this is insanely cheesy. Do you need to start doing something else. Yeah. And and furthermore for the case, you cheer him on when he actually does start doing stuff. He, yeah. he knows himself that it's cheesy. And though I do like the way they handled it, though, because like, one of the things that's common with the trope of little guy becoming strong, tough guy sort of thing, or someone who has been... The underdog? The, yeah, the underdog who finally has power 
are. Part of that trope is usually like they start believing their own hype. Yeah. Or they start, you know, they get a huge ego or whatever. And I'm really glad they didn't go with that, especially with the whole setup for it. Yeah, he was the ultimate super soldier. Yeah, be- and the reason he was chosen beca- was because of his, his good char- heart. Yeah, his, his character. character. His real strength was his character. And so, obviously, if they had gone the route where they had him get too big for his britches and have to be taken down a peg before realizing it, it wouldn't have fit the character yeah. as much, really. I just like that he was a good guy <laughs> all the way through. He just had to take control of what he was doing. Yeah, not be led around. Yeah. Like the dancing bear, where the dancing monkey as his journal. Yeah. yeah, as his little sketch shows. So what did you think of Hugo? So conflicted, man. <laughs> On the one hand, oh my god, that voice. It's Hugo in uniform. I know. Sadly, it's a Nazi uniform. Yeah. Or, you know. Sadly, he rips his face off. Yeah. up and he, He's looking pretty hot until he, you know, rips his face off. And, and they don't just do the rip and be gone. He actually struggles to rip that skin or whatever mask it is he's wearing off of himself. And I'm sitting there in, in the theater squirming just a little bit going, you're really dragging this out, aren't you? Yeah. You're, you're I think they, they just stretch that out just a little bit for effect. I knew there had to be something yeah. going on with his face because there was that one shot where like the scientist guy comes in and he's having that portrait, portrait painting painted. and you can see the revulsion on the painter's face and, yeah. you can see, and on the other guy's face. And so I'm like, okay, there's something weird about his appearance or something. Like he's wearing some kind of mask or something. The red skull. But oh god, that voice. And of course it doesn't help that this movie had, it had two hot guys who were bad guys. Because one of my other favorite British actors played the State Department guy who turned out to be a German spy. It's like, Richard Armitage, why did you have to be playing a bad guy? Though, you know, on the other hand, I did get to see him in a 1940s suit for a little (laughs) while until he, you know, ate the cyanide capsule. Yeah, well. I got to see him do action hero stuff instead of just being all broody in a BBC (laughs) historical drama slash romance. I love the quote. Which is not a bad thing. I love the quote from the kid from In the Water. I can swim! Go get him! I love that. Oh my god. I love that. Because again, that's another sort of trope that I wasn't expecting them to to just twist twist. like that. Because it's like, oh crap, the kid's in the water. He's going to have to save him. How is he going to do this? He peers over the edge, gets ready almost as though he's about to save the kid. And the kid's like, I can swim! Go get him! I'm like, yes! That is awesome. You don't see that very often. No, usually it's like, oh my god, help, save me. My baby's drowning, my baby's drowning. And then, you know, Captain America has to split in two. He's got to go through mitosis and, you know, Mm -hmm. rescue one person. He's got to catch the bad guy and he's got to bake a cherry pie on Martha Stewart. Oh yeah, and of course, part of the great thing about watching Hugo Weaving do it is he's just so good at working with the makeup and doing like the facial expressions and everything. Even when he's got all this makeup on. The stuff on his face. But then considering he was V from V from Vendetta, where you could not could not see him. See him anything on his face. You can even see his eyes. I didn't know that was movie. him for the longest yeah. time. And basically all you get is just, you know, his it, posture and the way he moves his body that sort of... raw emotion. Yeah, that just that basically movie. tells everything along with the vocal work. I mean really, if they needed oh. someone... If they had to have someone to do this part, someone with that kind of experience is probably the best. Oh, and speaking other purple, perfect people for their part. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> like, seriously, who else? Who else? 
Perfect. Could you get to play that part? Like, come on. Perfect. That was it. Had to have been written for him because it, it's just Tommy Lee Jones all the way. Of course, we talk about everybody else. Chris Evans, who played Captain America, was also really good. Did you notice those pectorals when he came out of the uh, machine? By the way. Oh yes. I actually okay when he came out of the machine and you could see him shirtless. I was kind of looking at it and I was like, really? I don't. It just looked. It looked so buff that part of me was like, <laughs> Did somebody yeah, have okay? A, did somebody have a bicycle pump off to the side and had to hook him yeah. up and go? Whoosh, whoosh, part of me was like, and I know it's all real. Like yeah. I know that he worked his ass off to yeah. gain all that muscle and everything. It's just that, you know, when he's got his shirt off and you can see all the sculpted abs and everything, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I fell like, for it. Okay. I found him more attractive when he was, like, in the suit <laughs> or in a costume. And But then again, I have a thing for buff guys in, like, dress shirts and stuff. So mm. I kind of like it more when, like, you can kind of, you can see from their general shape that it's there, but not the here is my man titty sort of... <laughs> Not the romance novel cover, Fabio. Look, you are, you are getting, look at the man boobs. You are getting dangerously close to the penalty box. You know that. Yeah, I'm sort of skating around it. But he was also really good, a really good actor. I'm mm. really good at the part. I love, oh my god, I loved how even after his post-buffness, when the one girl, the blonde, the blonde was starting to, it was hitting on him and he was still sort of that nerdy, awkward, I have no idea what to do with women sort of thing. Especially after he's gone, this is after he's gone and kicked some major ass yeah. and it's like I still have no idea what to do with girls I, I, I love the part how do I know that you and Stark aren't fun doing <laughs> and uh, it's like everybody in the theater must have just gone oh facepalm fondue is just bread and cheese really? Oh, See, at boy. first I thought he was just saying that as because lingo. he couldn't. Yeah, because he couldn't bring himself to say the actual thing. Yeah, as but lingo. then no, no, he actually found out. Like I realized later, of course, he didn't actually know what it meant. Just underlining that innocence. Yes, that and, nerdiness oh, and innocence. You just want to take him and give him a lollipop and go. Oh, you're so, so adorable! You just want to pinch his cheeks. His his beautifully sculpted cheeks. The cheeks on his face. Well, yes, those ones too. <laughs> I was actually thinking of the cheeks on his face, but now that you mention it. Okay. And of course, which brings in the whole romance mm -hmm. element. I love that. Carter was awesome. Uh, Maybe in my head she is like an ancestor of like Samantha Carter from SG-1. <laughs> because I, I, like I mentioned, I've been watching SG-1 this week. I just started watching it. I, I've only got up to the part where we first meet Carter and she's basically handing these guys their balls. Yeah. So part of me is like, woo, yes, another kick-ass woman. I, I love that one of my favorite parts is where you, the scene where you first meet Carter and she just totally nails a sucker punch right into yes. brand new soldier's nose. Oh my god. Like, freaking tastic Yeah, I just loved her, really. From that point on, you have to love her. Yep. Love her or fear her. And I like the sort of subtle romantic element to it. They didn't, like, really push it too hard. Yeah, I think I said last week is that it's partly, it's not even talked about openly. Yeah. It's awkwardly on both sides. Yeah. You just see the chemistry yeah. between them. And I love that you can even sort of see that chemistry when he's the 90 pound weekly and she's sort of like thinks he's kind of cute with the nerdiness it was breaking my heart when they were talking at the end well I'm gonna have to make a rain check on that oh yeah it was oh my god the end of that was just breaking my heart it was oh god and the way they're both like you know I'm gonna have to take a rain check on that and she's like okay a week from Saturday and you can and her voice is cracking and 
they both know that it's totally like not gonna happen. <laughs> but they're both keeping up that yep, keep it going that front so that they can both you know get through this yep. and not like completely break down. Yep. And oh my god. <laughs> and in his last line of the entire movie, I had a date. I'm like, oh, you oh. Yeah, especially because then he never. Had it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. It's like yay, he's not dead. But, but poor Carter. Everybody else is. And she's like probably dead by now. Yeah. If not like, you know, 95 years old. Yeah. Watch her come in the Avengers movie, you know, be something like Laura Croft with gray white hair and <laughs> Oh my god. I just thought of this. She comes in with her walker and like Tony Stark makes some sort of comment. Bam! She punches him right in the nose. <laughs> and then the walker does some sort of, you know, shaping and transforms into a semi-automatic. She ba- she teeter-totters and balances for a little while and then transforms it back into the walker. And of course Steve Rogers still loves her. And she's still wearing the hot red lipstick. Yes. And she's still got her hair all curled, even though it's, you know, white or gray. Yeah. Though, thinking about the end, there was a couple bits where I'm like, wait, what? The like, the, the time I'm, bubble? Yeah, I mean, I'm, that sort of thing, I'm just sort of like, okay, yeah, whatever, for some reason, you know, they found this later and he's, you know, in the future. The parts that I'm sort of like, wait, what about is the sort of more grounded parts. Like, I don't know a lot about planes, but I don't remember seeing a lot that have both propellers and jets. Because this is the comic book reality. <laughs> I'm like, and wouldn't that be a very bad thing? Because the propellers wouldn't be spinning fast enough to keep up with the amount of propulsion the jets have. You're bringing and... physics into a place where physics does not apply. I know. I know. I can believe the physics where he can jump like 20 feet. This obviously. goes back to the Hollywood medicine and the Hollywood never-ending gun. Or the, I'd have to double check the map that he has on the plane, or the, the radar screen that he has on the plane, and like... Geographically find out the where The geographically thing? Because it looked almost like he was getting close to New York. Yeah, I think it he was around, honestly, Greenland. See, to me, it almost looked like New York, and the way that they were hyping it up made it sound almost like they were... Yeah, he was supposed almost to... Almost at New York. He was supposed to be heading to New York. Yeah, I know he was heading there. It's just, it looked like he was closer than maybe he was in the movie, because, of course, well, as soon as I heard that and I saw the map and I thought it might be the map of New York. I'm like, please tell me we're not gonna see a plane yeah, that- get close to crashing into New York. Thankfully, no, it didn't. Yeah. We didn't even see the skyline. Hollywood got that one right. Just, I was under the impression when I was watching the movie that he was closer to New York than maybe he was. I couldn't remember at the beginning, like, if there was, like, a, a location stamp. Yeah, right at the beginning. Something. But they also said that the location keeps shifting because of the ice flows and whatnot. But, I mean, it still would be very far north. You all, you've seen Iron Man, right? Yeah, I've seen Iron Man. Iron Man 2? Yeah, I've seen both the Iron Man movies. I haven't seen Thor yet. I haven't either. So, that... And that was the last release of the solo Avenger movies. So yeah. The next, did you wait until the end to see the yes. preview? Obviously. <laughs> it's like, there was a couple of people, like I said, there was three other people in the theater besides me. There was one guy and his kid, and they walked out, like, as the credits were rolling. I'm like, guys, it's a Marvel movie. You stay to the end of the credits. And then there was one guy who left, and I thought, the hell? But I think he just, you know, went to the nearby bathroom, and then because then he came back in. I'm like, okay, at least somebody else remembers that you're supposed to do yeah. this. Yeah, so we're going to have to see Thor yeah. before the Avengers movie comes out. Yeah, which won't be hard. No, no, it shouldn't be hard. Especially with our friends. I'm sure someone will get it and be like, guys, you want to watch Thor? 
nom nom nom. Yes! Like, yes, please. Break out the mead. We're abs and pecs for all. Oh. Yeah, we know people that make mead. Yes, he's upstairs making cookies. And we know someone who is studying, like, Viking history. Yeah, actually, we do. <laughs> Sadly, I don't think the DVD is going to be out before he goes to Iceland. Yeah, well. And actually, on a real somewhat cold, faraway place related type of topic, my cousin, no joke, uh, left to go to university in Norway about three days ago. Wow. I need to knit her some really warm socks. She's going to need them. Yeah, because they spend like two thirds of the year cold. Yeah, and dark. Yeah, and they get to spend one third of the year less cold. And bright. So yeah, I need to make her some socks. But all yeah. in all, very good movie. Yeah, I love it. I think we're going to have to have Mass Geekorama for the Avengers movie. Oh yeah, we'll have to go opening night. Yeah. We might even have to have an Avengers-a-thon before opening night. Yep. And I should also give this disclaimer that, like, I have not read any of the comic books for, like, any of these movies. For the Avengers Basically stuff? what I know, basically what I know is what's in the movies. It's like with X-Men. Yeah. I love the X-Men movies. I've only read the X-Men comic book that Joss Whedon was involved with. You know what? So basically anytime, what I know is based on the movies. Anytime you want to watch some cartoons, we've got, I think, two seasons. And, you know, the Black Widow just kicks even more ass in, in the cartoons. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Just kicks even more ass. And she has her own love work issue that I'm looking forward to because yeah. I know that character is there too. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to the Avengers movies. I'm I'm slowly becoming an Avenger geek. And I did kind of squee at the end of Captain America. You when, recognized her? Yeah. I was like, she looks familiar. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no. I didn't really catch on until I knew that when you could see him being like, wait a minute, something is not right here. I'm like, okay. It's not just me. It's not just, no, there's something weird about this. And I figured it was probably like, in the future. But it took me a minute for to realize who she was. And then, of course, my I did a little squee when like Samuel Jackson steps out of the car. I'm like, yes! Nick Fury is awesome, mainly because it's Samuel L. Jackson. Like, come on. Okay, I think uh, I think our spoiler yeah. stuff is now over. I think it's safe. It's safe for you to come back. You can take the pillow off of your head. Welcome back. And we are moving on to cravings, covets, and crushes. My crush this episode is for... This is funny because I just finished knitting fingerless gloves, long, sort of up-to-the-elbow fingerless gloves, and they are, you know, very darling, the Merry Warmers. I just found another pair that I love. Now you can make them for you. Well, I still got another person to knit for for Christmas. You can still make them for you. <laughs> yes, I can. The Finger Free Mitts by Sarah Wilson. And it doesn't hurt that the model is a redhead. I, I'm sorry, being one myself, I am rather partial to redheads. Uh, I will not blame you. Same basic feature, you know, obviously fingerless, up to the elbows, and it does have a, a little bit of a rib texture, but the added features here is that it has a swirling, somewhat Celtic, if not just not work, that starts from the top of the glove at your elbow, mm -hmm. swirls, your arm. yeah, swirls slowly around the glove as it gets down and over into the palm. So it looks awesome. The knot work moves around your arm, and it has what looks like very small buttons going down the outside of your arm. So it looks like spats on your yes. on your arms. Yeah, that is just like very small pearl buttons. Tray cool. So awesome. I, I really do enjoy them, and I think I am going to have to knit them. I might have to cue those as well. This seems to be my fingerless mitts fall. This is what I'm knitting for a bunch of yeah. people. Nothing wrong with that. And I have a couple. I should probably knit myself a couple pairs now. Yeah. Because one of the library branches I work at is in a building that's 150 years old, and it gets quite cold in there in the winter. Yeah. Even with the heaters and things, there comes a point where it just doesn't... My 
my hands just will not stay warm, and I really need fingerless mitts. It'd be so snazzy. I could imagine so many, like, you could do them in black with maybe silver pearl buttons down the sides. You can put them Christmas red, white, or silver. Ooh, you could do, like, red with, like, black, almost like a shoe button, like like the old-fashioned boot buttons. But yeah, they look very sort of Victorian, maybe... Steampunky. Yeah, they do have a, a bit of a steampunky flair. Anyway, that's my crush. For me this week, I have a book that I have been meaning to talk about for a couple weeks now. Sort of as a, a general thing, every few days I basically look in our library catalog while I'm at work and see what new knitting books we're getting. But one of them came through a couple weeks ago, and it is adorable. It's called Knitted Pirates, Princesses, Witches, Wizards, and Fairies with Outfits and Accessories by Annette Hefford, H E F F O R D. And it has got these adorable little knitted dolls. They're like plushies? Yeah. That's so cute. And the dolls themselves are really cute. But she has all kinds of different outfits and stuff for them. There's one that's a pirate who is very obviously Jack Sparrow. Like, he (laughs) looks like Captain Jack Sparrow. And there's a very Dumbledore-y looking wizard. And there's a lot of, like, fairies and stuff. And she has, like, all kinds of really intricate sort of outfits for them. Like, some of them will have, like, the the witches or whoever will have, like, a skirt and a coat or a little, you know, top or something and a coat that goes over it and, like, all these really beautiful little details and often there'll be, like, little bits of embroidery on it and it's the sort of thing it would be kind of fiddly to do but it looks really awesome when it's done. And they're all just really adorable. I passed the book around at Knit Night a couple weeks ago and people were just squealing over them. And of course, I mean, and then you can take the templates for the dolls and the templates for the accessories and do whatever you want. Right. So, I mean, you could take the template for Say one your, of the witches. Your World of Warcraft blood elf. You could do, you know, your own D&D character. Yeah. Or I was thinking, like, you could take some of the templates for witch, for the witches and you could do a doll of... A certain potion master? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it's Maybe. a certain potions master. She tells you how to put the hair on and everything and how to change it. Oh my or, gosh. You know, I was thinking, you know, you could also do yourself as a Hogwarts student or Hogwarts professor. Latching onto said potion master? Yes, I could do little photo montages of them making out. Okay, dude, if you do... <laughs> oh, Lord. Get your ass in the... Po- in the. My, I could do entire little story, photo stories of these. Get your ass in the penalty box. <laughs> if you do that, you're going to have to knit a miniature Potions Master stole. I am just crazy enough to do that. You see, know that. You, I can see the gears going... In. I have cobweb weight yarn. I could dye it. <laughs> I have high highs that are... Somewhere around here. That is zero point zero zero zeros. Yeah. Like non existent needles. Uh. But yeah, so you can you can I mean they have little outfits in there, but you could obviously mix and match some of the accessories or change them up a little bit, change the colors, whatever, to create whatever you or whatever, you know, whoever you're giving it to right. could want. Yeah. Like, you know, I could do a little fairy all in green and give it to Emily or friend. But yes, it's really adorable. And I'll link to either the book's website or the Ravelry page. Speaking of the show notes and stuff, uh, Karen and I were just sitting down before the podcast talking and eating chocolate chip cookies. Mm. And uh, the admin monkey came along and so I said, 
And we said, okay, what does that mean? And uh, he said, over 100 subscribers. Dude! I know. So we gave him a banana and he went away. And I think we can say, say it's probably subscribers. Yeah. Because the podcast came out a little late this week. Yeah. Because uh, I was busy like crazy. Well, <laughs> if like if the, if the podcast doesn't come out by late Monday night, it probably won't, won't come out until late Tuesday night or maybe on Wednesday morning. Because I work from, regularly, I work 12 to 8 on Tuesdays which means I don't get to finish editing or whatever until like after nine o'clock. But thankfully my my stretch of like five working five Saturdays in a row has come to an end. I finally have Saturday off this weekend, which will give me more time to edit. It won't seem like I am trying to pack the editing in around the few days I around have life. Off. Yeah. But anyways, thanks guys for listening to us. Love you all. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for commenting on the Ravelry group. Yeah. There's a big discussion going on in the Ravelry group about things that you're reading and books that you've just Yeah, discovered. I've got a heck of a lot of reading to catch up on. Yeah, my reading list just got really long. So if you're reading something or if you're watching something that you want to share with everybody or if there's anything we've discussed in the podcast you want to discuss, there are threads for each. There's going to be a thread for each podcast itself and then there can also be a general, I'm watching this, I'm reading this, I just found this really cool geeky thing or you know look at these awesome knitting patterns that I found sort of threads you know any threads you guys want to create go ahead and if anybody else is having problems with the Viper Pilots feel free to create <laughs> a thread to commiserate in, in in company and you can compare swear words and sometimes you know we could probably do a geeky knit along yes once we've been established a little longer I think once we we've hit, we feel like we have an idea of what we are doing I don't think we'll ever do that I don't know yeah I don't think we're ever going to get to that point anyways Us, it's still, it's still going to be the point where like Oh my god, people actually listen to us. We'll be sitting here. It takes some getting used to. Yeah. So on that note, guys, keep on knitting, keep on geeking, have fun, uh, behave yourselves or don't, and send us the pictures. Have a good week, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to see our show notes or comment on our blog, you can find it at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1-G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. Or you can email us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com. Thanks and have a good week.